And what's the piece about marketing that interests you? To me, honestly, it's the ability to to contribute to a brand strategy, to interpret market research, to hear you know how customers and how the the external world is viewing your particular product, and taking that and say, okay, well, how can we put a strategy around this product? How can we reach, um, in the case of pharma, how can we reach all of the people who could benefit from this product? Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast, breaking down the disconnect between school and work for engineers and more. I'm your host, Eric Larson, and today I am joined by Stephen Haskell, a good buddy of mine, long-term friend, and I'm privileged to have a bunch of these on so far. I've known Stephen for a long time, and uh, we've certainly got a story documented by the depths of the YouTube archives that I thought we'd open with. So Stephen, welcome to the show. Absolutely, Eric. Well, well, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's an honor to be on the podcast today. Uh, like you said, been friends for a long time. I was thinking about it, I think freshman year of high school. So that takes us back uh, quite, a, quite a bit. But you're absolutely correct about uh, the YouTube video archiving a little bit of our, our friendship along the way. So Eric and I, uh, along with my twin brother, John, we went viral on YouTube about 10 or 11 years ago for a project for AP Chemistry. So we actually had two of these where we had to make a music video. Well, we took this assignment and we, we really took it to heart. And so if you search for, for my name on YouTube, you'll see it. Um, an incredible, incredible way to learn chemistry because Eric here, who wrote the lyrics of the song, the songs, the lyrics are actually relevant to the topics of learning chemical bonds, periodic table trends. Uh, you just have to check it out. You gotta see it to believe it, but it's, it's on there and we went viral about 10 years ago. So. Um, that's, that's always a great conversation starter for sure. Let's go. What a great sales job there. Yeah. If you, if you are curious about the periodic trends, go to YouTube and, and check us out. Or if you are just interested in seeing our embarrassing high school selves, you can do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because for those, I was the lyricist as Steven mentioned, Steven was the audio guy and John was the video guy. And I just got all this new brand new podcast equipment. For Christmas, shout out my sister Vanessa and her fiance Harrison, and uh, I feel way more legit. And Stephen's like talking me through the audio on his side too. So, great time to talk to Steve and have a podcast. Absolutely. So we're gonna throw some auto tune now on the podcast, right? No. <laughs> Honestly, uh, what if we could do a little bit of this? Oh, we've got some effects. You've got some effects. I, I don't think I have them though, right? That's okay. I'm the guest. You should have the effects, Eric. However, you have the content today. So uh, we'll dig right in. So, so Stephen and I have gone back a long time. In high school, we were in some of the same science classes, as you heard, and math classes, and that led me to engineering. And Stephen, where did that lead you? Take us back to senior year. Yeah, so senior year of high school, um, I'd say always, always interested in the sciences. Uh, as you just mentioned, Eric, we were in a lot of those classes together, physics, chemistry, biology always just kind of where I, I gravitated. And I always knew I wanted to do something in science, but it wasn't actually until I got to college where I connected that to trying to become an engineer. Um, so it was actually sophomore year of college, a little bit later than most, I would say, where I realized, you know what, let's take all of this and become an engineer. So by the time I got to college, I was a huge UNC Chapel Hill fan, go Heels. So of course, that was my number one school, got, got there. And 
they're not known for for engineering. I think you know NC State down the road, as uh, you and a bunch of uh, a bunch of our friends went to, definitely more of the the engineering school. But Chapel Hill had started this biomedical engineering program. Um, it was the first engineering degree offered by UNC. And what kind of drew me to that is I'd say the biomedical sciences, how the interface between the physical body and also just all of the great advances of technology that we're seeing. Um, over the last few years and continue to see. So things like prosthetics and, um, you know, bringing, making new possibilities where none previously existed. So that fascinated me. And since UNC was just kind of getting that started, uh, decided to jump right into it my sophomore year of college, finished my degree and just absolutely loved it. Um, and at now, funny story about that program, actually, it's a joint department with NC State. So um, a little bit of uh, taking the the best of both worlds, right? Combining it together into a joint department for biomedical engineering here in the Triangle. So it's just honestly, a uh, it's a fantastic program um, and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, awesome. So I'll, I'll stop you before we get too ahead of ourselves. But it's nice that we do get a program with the best of both worlds because I went to state and our bitter rival is UNC, although Stephen would beg to differ. So we, of course, have some fun with that. I'll, I'll acknowledge the rivalry. I'll acknowledge the rivalry. <laughs> he's, he, uh, he's a good sport. Um, so, okay, so you're a senior and you wanted to go to Chapel Hill and basically that's why you picked biomedical. There's some fascination there, but that's the bottom line. Yeah, UNC uh, is very much known for its healthcare system. And that's kind of that was always in the back of my mind. My mom had worked in healthcare, was always interested in it, and just science kind of connecting the dots right there. So um, I knew knowing UNC had a great healthcare program and initiative and biomedical engineering just being new and fascinating. That's that's really what drew me to pursue that degree. So if Chapel Hill had had chemical engineering, you would not have done that? Well, so so they did, um, and so they had a couple of different other options okay. related to oh, it. Not not right. not nearly to the degree of of say NC State or, or something along those lines, but biomedical just being new, and and that's kind of where my heart was. I had done some research on it, some background with studying it, and I think just the the making advances like prosthetics was a big a big deal breaker for me. Just seeing how you, you could change people's lives, three D printing to. Um, you know, making new artificial organs for for individuals, the the possibilities were limitless. And that just really, really drew me to it. And so you're doing this research as a senior, or this is kind of as you're getting your feet wet in classes? Yeah, I'd say a senior in high school leading into uh, to freshman year, I took a lot of the general education requirements was trying to figure it out. Do I want to go into econ or business? Do I want to continue with my science background? And um, as we'll talk a little bit about it, it kind of comes full circle here in the the last few years. Well, perfect. Yeah, no, I think we can get right into it. So let's let's draw the circle. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so fast forward a couple of years, uh, I absolutely loved biomedical engineering. But you know, kind of those now we're fast forward to senior year of college, I'm in the lab, I'm working on a lot of projects, which I absolutely loved, but a lot of intense projects, um, syringe pumps, EKG tests, just ranging all across the board in the world of uh, biomedical engineering. And these are assigned projects. This isn't like an internship or research on the side. This is part of your coursework. It's part of coursework, but we had flexibility in what we wanted to do. So, um, you know, we had like kind of a a scope of what we were trying to do. And then we had a little bit of flexibility in in how we got there. Cool. All right. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're totally good. And I loved all of that. It was great. Um, But I realized deep down, you know, as I see myself as a professional, as a, as a young professional, do I want to be in the lab or do I want to be in the office out there talking to people? And 
I realized that I wanted more of the latter. I wanted to be more in an office setting, talking to people in the business world. Having pursued a, a degree, an incredible degree, I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare. I, I knew I wanted to do something in the sciences, but I didn't know exactly what yet. So as I'm thinking through my senior year, I'm, I'm looking for jobs. I'm trying to figure it all out. I realized, you know, pharmaceuticals as an industry was the perfect way to bring all of that together. So I became very interested in um, in the world of pharmaceuticals. I ended up joining uh, GSK, which was my first job out of out of college. Have been with the GSK ever since. Um, currently with with Vive Healthcare, and I've just really, really loved the pharma pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Before we go a little farther, so pharmaceuticals. Can you define pharmaceuticals for us? More than just what the industry is about, like what, how your interests, like you just said, oh, so biomedical, my interest led me to pharma, like a little more on that string of thought. Yeah. So biomedical engineering, um, again, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it taught me a lot about logics of logic skills that would apply in a more business setting. Um, and I'll talk a lot about that here in a few minutes, but, but really kind of it was science-based. It was science-focused. I've always been a science guy. I still am. Still will, will always be one, right? Um, but pharma ended up being the perfect industry for me because, again, interested in science, interested in healthcare, and pharma was something I hadn't really researched um, a whole lot. Um, obviously, we are aware of, of pharmaceutical products, but never really had known much about the, the industry as a whole until kind of the late college years and, and just researching it to enter my career there. And so, no, so some of that, some of that research is like, the job postings when you're looking for internships, like how did you get connected to that? Yeah, so it's actually a, a funny story how I got my first job was it was one of those job searcher websites. And at this point, it was towards the end of senior year of, of college. And I just literally searched for biomedical engineering jobs near me. So, you know, it was indeed.com. Okay. I was just searching for it. And, and all of a sudden, um, I saw an, uh, an opportunity for an internship in the triangle with GSK, which is where I started my career. So gotcha. it was one of those Hail Mary job searches, came across the posting, and I've been there in my career ever since. Um, so yeah. I always encourage the use of those those platforms. Well, for sure. I think, you know, when you're a senior, you might have identified some of this interest, you know, you, you identified the biomedical aspect, you're kind of learning what pharma is, but to actually get like a job with a title and a job description for a company, it's so hard to like figure out what that means. So I got my connection through the career fair. NC State's career fair is awesome. I think probably Chapel Hill students even go because it's so engineering focused. But and a couple of people I've talked to, like Vlad had some idea, BMW, like we know what BMW does, but there's so many industries and companies out there that are kind of under the radar, just not, you know, business to consumer. So you don't buy products from them. That it's hard to have, an idea of what they do. So it's, yeah, it, it, whether it's indeed or a career fair or a parent or a counselor, like there has to be some connection because otherwise you're floundering or, you know, you take a risk. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a very well-made point too, because I, as a biomedical it's, engineer, you can go into research, you can, you know, kind of continue your education. A lot of my students, uh, fellow students who pursued it and continued to just went on to grad school, got their PhD in it, and really, really pursued that lab setting of it, which of course will always be there. But taking a degree like that and applying it in a corporate world, you don't always know how that's going to come across in terms of a role description or, or position title. Um, and so that's where those those applications uh, or those platforms can really have benefit because connecting the lines kind of behind the scenes with their algorithms. Yes. Yeah, so for mechanical, 
I felt that the course training kind of sets you at either design route or research route or a manufacturing route. Right. So would you say biomedical was similar, that there were certain tracks or there were those tracks and that the business kind of side of things is something that came more from an internship or working than from what school taught you? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I, I would say the two that stood out to me, honestly, were just more of a lab setting versus more of a, a business setting. Those were the two that really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, again, just jumping into the business side of it, I think just having done that internship first, just to see, okay, would my skills translate? So as soon as I graduated, I, I started the internship right away. It was a way to get my foot in the door in the company, learn about the company and, and learn, okay, I'm an intern right now, but what positions might be relevant to me and what I want to do and, and how can I leverage my undergraduate degree? And so those were all of the, my thoughts as I started that internship. So highly, highly encourage internships. If, if you're in a stage like that, if you're trying to figure it all out and just, you know, get your foot in the door, a great way to do it. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. So after your junior year, you interned with GSK. It was, it was actually a, a graduate internship right after I, I graduated. And so okay. I, it was that summer, I graduated 2014, started um, a couple weeks later with GSK and have been there ever since. That's an interesting way to do it. So I want to ask about that. But before we get there, did you have other internships during school that you either liked less or? I, I did. And so those were actually, so pretty much every year in between, um, during the summers I had in high school, I had a internship mostly based through the Carolina's healthcare system, now Atrium Health in uh, the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And so a couple of different things there where it ranged from, you know, refurbishing hospital equipment to help third world countries build, um, build hospitals. So really, um, really great work that I, I really enjoyed. But in terms of what I wanted to do and how to bring that to my career, I think in between my, my junior year, um, junior and senior year of college, I interned at the Carolina Simulation Center, part of Atrium Health. And just got to see all of the simulation they do with helping doctors and surgeons kind of perform surgeries and everything on all of these super high tech um, mannequins, essentially, that were, you know, blood was pumping through them. It was, it was really incredible to see. And just that yeah. type of work was, was so fascinating to me. And that's kind of what helped me see that there's a business side to doing some of that biomedical engineering work, if that makes sense. Yes. That makes total sense. So now when you applied for those, that was also kind of like a biomedical engineer applies for this position at a healthcare firm kind of thing. That's like all you need to do. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, kind of as I was navigating it, just um, now talking about it out loud, there's there's definitely like a common denominator there, but also just was applying for what I was interested in at the time. You know, that that simulation center internship was was really cool and really rewarding, just cool. but yeah. <laughs> just kind of, you know, just applied for it and just wanted to see what it was all about. And that's that's where internships can be so helpful um, just to see what it's what's all about. You might not like it, but it gives you an opportunity, say, two to three months in the summer to figure that out. And and then you know, you know, you're never going to know looking at something or reading about it on paper versus actually trying it and and just getting a feel for what it's like in person. Yes, wise words. So it seems to me to kind of recap. So mechanical engineering you pick because it's broad and you go all these different directions. Industrial is kind of in the same boat. So Jess Rose episode eight, I think. Go check it out. Went into healthcare, kind of, kind of navigated through that during college, during jobs, and biomedical. You had a little bit more of a decision at the outset, and a little bit more specialty, probably through coursework, to lead you to healthcare. Absolutely. But same, same kind of end result. So, 
now back to you had that internship, you had that experience. Sounds really cool, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. I, yeah, I mean, I, I sat in like a manufacturing area and did design and spreadsheets and read a lot of articles about sports. So it sounds like you had a better, a better experience. <laughs> um, and now, now you apply for the GSK thing. So just a, a minute on like that graduate internship, was that tough for you to take instead of like a full-time job or was that pretty normal? What were your thoughts? Yeah, so it was a paid internship. I think that was a big part of it as well. There's a lot of, of great um, unpaid internships that are out there, but this one was paid. It was definitely looking for a job, but I was also still looking for flexibility because I didn't know exactly where I wanted to take my career. And I think a lot of, of young professionals just finishing up their undergraduate are, are in this same boat. So, you know, I, I took a risk, to be honest with you, just to see what it was like. I, a bunch of other friends were starting full-time positions. This mm -hmm. one wasn't, but I went into it with the the, the thought process well, if I like it, I can use it as an opportunity to network, to meet the right people and pursue a full-time job. And, and that's ex exactly what happened. So, um, you know, use it as a foot in the door, definitely a little risky, but if you're still kind of unsure about where you want to go, a great path to take. Yeah. So I, yeah, I hadn't really heard about that. We touched on rotational programs with, with Chris Morrow, whatever episode that is. <laughs> and this is, again, kind of de-risking from both sides. Like, oh, I might not want to commit long-term. And the company's saying, oh, this guy might not be a fit. And what, three or four months or something? Yeah, so that one was three or four months. And it's actually funny you say that because I remember talking to Chris about this too. Uh, I, I started full-time through a rotational program after the internship. So it was kind of, yes, I started full-time, but it was still meant to, okay, well, let's figure out what you like and what you might want to do when you get into a full long-term position. So I, I joined a rotational program full-time as well. And that's kind of how, that was my first introduction officially into uh, the company in the world of pharma. That's right. Yeah. I remember that now that you say it, you might've had an opportunity to move at some point. And, you know, those are the things we talk about as friends instead of the nitty gritty. Of the I had to give a guy. list of uh, 25 cities where to potentially move from. By the end of that list, I'm like looking at the map. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, where, where would I live? Um, I put Charlotte number one, just cause I'm from there and it just happened to work out. I was honestly very surprised, but, but happy it worked out. That, yeah. So, so right. Where you live is very important. So, so talk a little about the structure of the rotational program and what you did. Please. Yeah, absolutely. And so for it, it's changed a little bit, I think now, but my rotational program um, was two years in sales. So I, I did two years as a pharmaceutical sales representative, which was critical because it, it allows you to understand kind of the, the foundation of, of, of many pharmaceutical companies, just talking and interacting with healthcare providers, talking about um, medication and you know when new information, clinical data comes out about all of that. So really, really great and rewarding experience. So the whole program was designed towards sales. It, you applied my, knowing that. Mine, yes, was more sales okay. focused. And I, being a science guy, I didn't know if I wanted to do sales. I didn't know if I would like sales whatsoever. I ended up loving it, but I would have never known that had I not done this, this program. Okay. Yeah, we've had a couple salespeople on. <laughs> Bunch of outgoing people. Um, so yeah, I remember you, you had like a company car or something. You were driving all over the place. What was that first year like? I had the Ford Escape. I, I lived in Charlotte. I had the western part of North Carolina as my territory. So um, a lot of lot of window time or windshield time, as they would say. Yep. So a lot of lot of driving, um, you know, satellite radio to uh, to hold me. I, I should have gotten into podcast back then. That would have been the great opportunity to start listening to podcasts. But um, hey. driving, talking to uh, to healthcare providers, and it was just a really, really great experience. Um, just 
getting out there and understanding the core of how the industry worked. Yeah, I feel like you learn a lot from talking to a lot of different people. And if you're trying to sell them, you have to understand them. And then you have to understand the business. You have to understand the product. And yeah, it's, it's still probably more high level than a research position where you're getting real technical. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you learned a lot. That was good. And then that was a year. And then there was a next year in Raleigh. Is that right? So, so that was two years. It was two years in the field. Um, so this takes us to the end of 2016. Um, and then for my next rotation, it was going to be in the RTP office for GSK. And I knew it was going to be a marketing rotation. So at the time, I, I moved up to Raleigh. Uh, this is January of 2017, almost five years ago now, which is, which is crazy. I thought, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be in Raleigh for, for maybe a year and then probably move back to Charlotte. Uh, I've been in, in Raleigh ever since. I've been, uh, you know, working in, in office uh, at the company and, and just really have really enjoyed it. Uh, met my now fiance there, uh, future wife. So, you know, Raleigh's okay. definitely the home for, uh, for right now. But, but yeah, um, marketing, it was definitely great to go from sales to, to marketing. So I started with that sales rotation. And I remember thinking, you know, it would be really great if we had a marketing resource that went through X, Y, and Z, because I could pull that through in the field as a sales professional. You get to marketing and you have that mindset right away. Well, let me make that resource that I, that I wanted to create and I wish we had. And then you find out literally why, why you could not do that. You know, there's all kinds of, especially in pharma, it's a very highly regulated industry. And, you know, everything that's on a marketing resource has to go through legal uh, approval, compliance, regulatory. There's all of these, um, all of these guardrails where you really have to, um, and, and rightfully so, make sure that they're, they're crossed through. So, um, Understanding that process makes you realize, okay, well, now I can see the difference between sales and marketing, why you might not be able to just pull through something you want to use in the field. There's, there's all of these different things and, and seeing both of those perspectives is really, it's really been enlightening for my career. That is very relevant to my current position. Um, since I'm working for a small firm, sales and marketing kind of falls into the same pot. And there is, like, there's very much a difference. However, there's very much a connection between the two where, right, you're in the field, you want something, you want to put a piece of paper down on a doctor's office. And it's like, oh, this answers all of the questions that me as the salesperson typically has to ask. But Absolutely. something like pharma would have a lot more compliance issues. So no, I, I, I totally get that. But that's, that's cool. So then that was another two year rotation. And then after that, you split, I don't actually think that's true. Yeah, so, so that was, um, I was in that rotation for actually about six, six months where I found a full time job, I off boarded from the rotational program, and I went into sales operations. So that was kind of my progression towards where I, where I was, I actually shifted back into marketing, but a little bit yeah. about kind of those, those last couple of years, um, I went into sales operations, which I thought was a really great natural next step after doing sales for a couple of years and just a little bit of marketing at the time. So I loved marketing. I wanted to continue it, but the rotation had finished and I was looking for the next the next step. And sales operations was a great blend of all of that because my customer in a sales operations role are the sales professionals and in, in turn, of course, the actual customers for the business. So my job was making sure they were equipped with all the tools platforms and systems they need to do their jobs and be successful. So that was that's sales operations in a nutshell. And I actually did that in two different roles um, over the course of about five years. So sales operations was kind of where I saw myself for for definitely the bulk of my career to date. And I just actually recently a few months ago moved back over into marketing, still onboarding, getting up to speed there. But um, 
getting back into marketing because I always wanted to kind of continue that a little bit further since I only had six months to, to try it out. And what's the piece about marketing that interests you? To me, honestly, it's the ability to, to contribute to a brand strategy, to interpret market research, to hear you know, how customers and how the, the external world is viewing your particular product and taking that and say, okay, well, how can we put a strategy around this product? How can we reach, um, in the case of pharma, how can we reach all of the people who could benefit from this product and um, from this treatment? So there's a lot of, of great ways to take that and define that strategy where sales operations is a bit more like, okay, well, there's all of these issues. Let's fix these issues, which is great. And that's, I think, where the engineering um, undergrad degree helped me a lot because a little bit of those logic skills even in a business setting, help me dissect all of these complex processes um, and figure out next steps to, to put a, an action plan in place in order to solve these complex problems. So I like that for a lot, but I, I wanted to get back towards the, the strategy definition or defining the strategy. Cool. Yeah, I feel like strategic work is more exciting than some other work. So sounds like Absolutely. you're in the same boat. <laughs> and that leads us to the next step of Steven's young career, which is a little bit of coursework as well. Talk about how you arrived at the next program. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So after a few years of, of working uh, full time, I always knew I wanted to go back and get my MBA. That's something that I always kind of had on the horizon. I never knew when the right time to do it would be. Why? Why was my horizon? It was so being a science guy and then entering the world of business, I always wanted a little bit of that business educational foundation, right? The, the stuff that school can provide, um, you can get a lot of that on the job, right? You, you absolutely do. And, and I did, but I wanted some of the, the educational coursework to really kind of flesh out that foundation before I got too far along in my career, if that makes sense. So it wasn't just a improved pay? It wasn't just about improved pay. It was about learning a lot about. Um, <laughs> it's for learning a lot more about um, things like you know sure. finance and some of the classes that I just never took in in undergrad because I was more science focused. Yeah, I've I've had that thought too, and a couple other of our friends did business minors, which would give you something, but MBA is mm -hmm. a whole different approach. So anyway, yes, you decided to do it. You went to the same school, and now you're in the program. How's it going? Well, have I mentioned I'm a big fan of UNC uh, Chapel Hill? That's big, big fan <laughs> of the school. So surprised of course, you're not in Carolina Blue right now. I know I, I should be, honestly. Um, I should be. But being back there for the second time around in a grad school setting has, has been really great. Um, Keenan Flagler Business School, is, it's an incredible school. I'm doing their online program, a lot of flexibility. I think the reason I decided to do it uh, over the last couple of years really is, you know, the pandemic gave me some time to reflect and was thinking to myself, you know, now is as better of a time to, to do it than, than ever before. Um, you know, working, working remotely, um, a lot of unknown in the world and, and rightfully so. And, you know, now it's just, it, it seemed like the right time. And so I jumped right in. Um, I'm one year in, I've got about another year to go and it's, it's going by very quickly, but I will say balancing that on top of a full-time job, it's, it's a bit more, um, it's a bit more work than you're used to. So you have to, to, grapple with that that time management factor which was a little difficult for me at first but i've gotten it down to a good a good rhythm now i would say would you say down to a science down to a science i guess you could hey. say <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> so so yeah everyone hits the pandemic and reevaluates their life and where it's going and what they can do with all this free time 
Yep. And Steven decided it was a good time for an MBA, which started remote and continues to be mostly remote, but I know you've got some in-person activities as well. So what, what do you mean by the pandemic? What, what is that? No, I'm just kidding. We do not need to do that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on COVID-19? We're not, we're not that kind of podcast. Definitely not. Oh, I was like, he, he paused. Does he want me to jump in and answer this? Or are we taking dumb it down in a completely different direction? <laughs> hey, well, you're, you're a pharmacist, right? No, I guess that's a little off too. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So your story going into your MBA, like I know through applications, you kind of have to have what you're looking to get out of it. What was that in kind of a nutshell? It was actually um, a lot of what I had had said a couple minutes ago was kind of my big focus is just the educational foundation. So I'll, I'll tell you a lot of uh, a random stories that have helped me already uh, one year into the program. So for example, uh, econ and finance. Now I took econ 101 in undergrad. It was it was a great course, but that was really all you know all I really had as my backbone. And um, we, we're all you know young professionals. We're all looking to make smart investment decisions, and I felt like I could really benefit for, from some of that side as well. So just some of that formal education helped me, you know, build up my portfolio a little bit more uh, in, a, in a way that tolerated risk in a in a much better threshold. Now that I knew some of the logic behind it, so you know, outside of, right. of work, but still in the world of investing, it, it helped me quite a bit and continues to do so. So um, that's that's one huge benefit I would say. Cool. Yeah. A, a ton of good life skills in addition to business skills. For and sure. you're still learning a bunch. I guess I'll let you um, toot your horn for a minute. There was one project that you were particularly successful at, correct? At your yeah, MBA? Uh, oh, in the NBA? Yeah. So yeah. I'll talk about this. If, uh, if, if <laughs> So there was a, a, a simulation which, uh, which every... Every group that was in this one specific class, uh, it, was a, it was a group project where we had a product, we were a company in this market, and there were two different markets, you could launch products. And it was really in depth simulation. I, I really enjoyed it, obviously, like but Excel simulation, they had some variables set up, or there was a program. And they're basically saying tweak these variables to accomplish the best result it was like a homework as or it was a project, class project, right? It, it was a project. So every single week, you know, we met as a group, decided, okay, what decisions do we want to do? It was a web-based application. We would log into it and, you know, you could choose, okay, how much money do I want to spend on market research this week? How much money do I want to spend on advertising for the products? How much do I want to spend um, on salespeople to go out and promote the product? So it was very, very in-depth, a lot of different variables that you could, you know, build into the equation. And uh, my particular group and I, we... We were going through it. We were trying to. We made, probably made a couple of, of big risks at the decision uh, at the beginning of the simulation, and we found ourselves in last place. And uh, it's it's a competition, right? So each week, you know, the numbers refresh at a given time, and you look and you see, okay, well, here are some of the companies that are doing really well, and mm -hmm. here's us all the way down at the bottom. And and the goal is to increase revenue for this fake business, correct? That's what absolutely. You want to have okay. the most revenue. Um, out of out of all of your competitors in the market. So to simulate a business setting in the real world. Sure. And so what we did as a group is we took all of the variables, we opened up a, a massive Excel file. And I, I love this kind of stuff, just reverse engineered the the complete simulation and got it down to pretty much to a science, as you would say, <laughs> let's go, <laughs> where um, we figured out how all the variables interconnected, there's still al always going to be an element of risk right, where, you know, you have to anticipate what your competitors are going to do. But we turned it all the way around from last place to if you look on week to week earnings, 
um, the last couple of weeks in first place, which was a dramatic comeback. We're, we're very proud of it. We had an NBA event um, actually a couple of weeks ago in person where we were talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's yes, attaboys. It's funny. And like hearing myself say it out loud, I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking about this on a podcast. But that kind of stuff is it, it's fun. And it was a rewarding experience. And um, I, uh, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I think it's worth talking about because there's projects that well, thank people you. get interested in and do well on. And that's kind of for a reason. And I'd usually ask this later, but like, what's your ideal project? And to me, Stephen combines, you know, the, the tech side, which he's programmed and done the audio for videos and like definitely understands technology with the healthcare side, which probably didn't help for this project, but you understand it's a business. And then the communication side, which is sales, marketing, strategy, all of that good stuff. So you're, you're, you're using all of those skills in your ideal project. You're working in a group setting. You're taking some risk. You're doing some programming. Like I feel like that lined up for you well now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well said. It, it really kind of sums up kind of what, what makes me tick, honestly, is, is merging all of those together. And like you mentioned, I will talk about this a minute, uh, or I don't know if we want to talk about it in a few, but um, technology has always kind of been at the core of my life as well. Um, and so just always been a huge, um, huge fan of technology and just watching it evolve a lot, especially over the last 10, 15 years. It's, it's incredible kind of where we are now and, and to see where we're going and where we're trending. And using that technology, there's no doubt it's going to continue to intersect and, and merge more with the business world. And there's a lot of opportunity there to take that e even in, in healthcare. You're seeing it really in every industry to see kind of the uncharted territory that lies ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. And by interested in technology, Stephen means like building his own computer and like <laughs> into crypto way before it was cool and like always had the the fancy app first, like Venmo. And I was hoping you were going to say that. Back in 20, 2012, I think, I'm telling Eric about Venmo. I'm like, you got to download this. We can just send money through the internet. Eric's like, wait, you, you put your credit card in here and send money via the internet? And now we use it all the time. But right. Eric always gives me credit for selling him on at first. So thank you, Eric. <laughs> I do, I do. There may have been a dating app that you guys were ahead of the curve on too. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm always open to these things. Well, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But until something becomes popularized it's tough to for it to be normalized right so steven and john his, his twin brother who are both you know techies together always were, were ahead of the curve on that kind of stuff so yeah we're like sitting at a bar and we're, we're looking at venmo they're like oh just pay me back with this and i'm like okay maybe but <laughs> unless everyone else does i'm not it, putting my credit card you know, details I'm, I'm, in an app <laughs> <laughs> right right and then you know like you guys talk about ethereum four years ago it's like uh, there, there's those people in your life where you're like, okay, I have a tech question. I'm going to ask them. For my dad, it's me. And for me, it's Stephen and John. <laughs> so yeah, it all, it all connects. Um, and I, you know, the technology on the smart building side is something I'm interested in at a high level, but more communicating it rather than getting my hands dirty with it. So Stephen's got both sides. Well, cool. I think that's a good summary of what makes you tick. I'm glad we, we got down to that. Uh, and I think we've gone through your career and work and school. Is there anything we missed? Um, that's, you know, now that I'm in a, a marketing role again, you know, we talked a lot about defining strategy and just um, it's it's a good spot for me because it's it's different than what I was doing for the last five years. And I think one bit of advice I'd say for the for your viewers and, and listeners, Eric, is is just don't be afraid to if you find yourself in a, a comfortable spot in your career is to take those risks to try something new. And to continue to stretch yourself because that's how we grow as professionals is to continue to try those 
those new things. And so that that'd be my one, you know, piece of advice is don't be afraid to try the next thing once you reach that point of, of comfort. Yeah, and I think that's well said for a lot of our listeners and young professionals and people coming into the workforce because honestly there's it's a good time to take a risk because you're coming into a, a fast growing sector. Pretty much as any engineer, you're pretty marketable. You might as well take a risk. You've got a fresh perspective on things. I think it's easy to be like, oh, I don't know anything and not make your voice heard because you're young and you're uh, you know, tiptoeing. But yeah, if there's a time, it's now. And with the rate of technology change, there's some healthy risks you could take with that. And I think that, uh, and now I'm the one rambling, but I think that the marketing, or sorry, the strategy piece is really important because a lot of technical people get bogged down in the details and you still need some direction through a strategy. That, that's kind of the North Star for the company or the business unit or as a manager. Uh, that's very important. So I'll echo what Stephen said. and Completely on. agree. Cool. Well, thanks for that. It's, it's funny. I, I said, Jess, you got anything else? And she, she threw in some advice as well. So some good nuggets from our accomplished young professionals on the Dub It Down podcast. So Stephen and I may or may not have been chatting after the pod and seeing if we could work this in, but we got another piece of advice or a, a connection for you. Take it away. Yeah. And so this one goes back between the connection between the MBA and how that's kind of helped my, my career. And I've been with one company my entire career, which has been incredible. But after so many years, you think, okay, is this, is this the way my company does things? Is this industry specific or is it broader than that? And talking with a lot of my peers in my MBA program, I've realized a lot of the problems that I might face in a, a sales operations job are very quite similar to how a tech company sales operations manager might face the exact same situation. So having those conversations and, and realizing that just because I'm in one industry or in one specific position that's not necessarily unique. And you can seek, you know, mentors or folks in different industries to talk about how to address some of those problems, find commonalities and, and bring it all together. So that's been really cool. I see. So you're saying you're seeing the parallels between different businesses, regardless of industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so many parallels exist. Now, granted, there's always going to be some differences. Um, but there's a lot of parallels. And you know, we we're talking a little bit about sales and marketing as well. And just talking about how you know, there's, there's a lot there. And in, in the world of, of pharma, that's one thing. But you know, there's a lot of sales versus marketing, I wouldn't frame it up as, as a versus, right? Because it's such a collaborative yeah. effort. But the salespeople, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, if we only had this from marketing, and the marketing is like, oh, well, if the salespeople could pull it through, you know, it's, it's a team effort. And that I think is universal to see it all as, as one team and how we can sell something together. Is that kind of the role of sales operations? In, in some ways, absolutely, because you often find yourself as the liaison and connecting a lot of internal stakeholders who might not interface with the field all too much. And in sales operations, you're talking to the field every single day, and you're finding what's relevant and you're connecting the dots wherever they exist. So in, in a lot of ways, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it is in a sense, but not fully defined. Interesting. Yeah, For sure. that's, that's, that's cool. Well, now I will segue into our Q&A session. And my favorite one I'll start with is what's been your biggest screw up? So this, it's, it's a great question, right? I'll always, um, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind when you just said that, Eric, is it, I'm actually, I'm going to jump back to my time in sales operations. And 
I, I love to help others. And I, I make that very, very clear in a business setting. You know, I'll tell people I'm, I'm always happy to help because it's true. You know, I want to help out. I want to, you know, see what issues there are and, and how to overcome them. So there was a point um, about a year and a half ago, I'd say, where I was volunteering to help and, you know, on a couple of different projects, but they all coincidentally hit their peak all at the same time. So all of a sudden, because I had volunteered and, and I was jumping in to help, um, I'd reached a point where it was definitely overwhelmed with so much going on. There was a lot of, of different things going on. So I, in turn, had to, you know, talk with my my managers, figure out kind of, okay, well, how do I prioritize? You know, how do you prioritize when everything comes across as this is extremely urgent for, for my particular team? And in operations, you're, you're faced with a lot of those, right? Because a lot of people want to loop in operations. You want to be an active participant of everything you can be. But when you've got so much going on and, and the need to prioritize is, is there and not necessarily clearly defined, um, I, I just reached that point uh, where I really needed to take a step back, look at the, the entire picture and figure out, okay, for my particular role and my scope and what I'm doing on right now, what is the biggest thing that I need to, to prioritize? And then just kind of going down the list from there. So um, it took me reaching that point of feeling a little bit overwhelmed to, to have the courage to step back, to ask for a little bit of help in terms of prior prioritization and, and to really just kind of think it through. So my biggest screw up just in summary is just, um, you know, reaching that point, not knowing when to take a step back and reprioritize. Sure. That is a very diplomatic answer from Steven. This could be an interview. Uh, my, my biggest weakness is that I care too I much. I care too much. <laughs> no, like, like for real, you're, you're coming in, you want to make a difference. You want to take on extra responsibility. And at some point, probably if you're doing it right, you got to take a step back. So it's cool. like, be careful what you wish for, because sometimes, you know, a lot of those, you know, sometimes you might sign up for something and nothing ever comes, comes of it, right? It's just a, a small project or it takes, you know, a couple hours tops. And then all of a sudden you're on several different work stream calls. Everything's urgent. Everything's, you know, it, it, it can be tough. So, you know, make yeah. sure you know what you're signing up for and you know that you have the capacity, capacity to truly do it and help out in the fashion where you're most valuable. Like it. Take some risks, step back when you have to. Exactly. Cool. I've got a couple other ones. Favorite class or project? I'm going to nominate your answer for you and be that MBA project or, of course, it's a chemical bond. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to high school on that one. The chemistry videos, definitely check them out. <laughs> yeah, it's it, when, when chemical bond season hits again, we see a spike every, every semester, every year. I got a comment um, actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in an eighth grade class, it was shown, and apparently this eighth grade class had watched several chemistry videos on chemical bonds, and our video, Eric, was voted the number one, and this is 11 years old, so we're, we're competing against 11, 12, 13 years of, of music videos teaching people about chemical bonds, and ours is still right up up there, so it, it stands the test of time, so very That's excited. Awesome. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, stands the test of time. YouTube allows for that kind of thing to stay up there. And on top of that, we got like a 200 on that project. So that was, that was we a good did. thing as well. Shout out, Mr. Standish. Shout out, Mr. Standish. Um, so another one, I'm assuming you have like a couple mentors, even if it's not one specific person. But what are they doing that you are not and should be? So it, 
for this one, I'd say definitely a couple mentors have that who I've learned a, a tremendous, tremendous amount from. Um, and this goes back to the pandemic. And when the pandemic first started, I will say just everyone was navigating going or for me, if, if you're in a corporate role, just adjusting to 100% remote work, right? Mm-hmm. When we're used to being in the office, and in the office, you can easily say, "Hey, you know, you're talking to someone, and could get a coffee with them, could get lunch. It's it's you know very more accessible to do that." But all of a sudden, you're in this remote working world, and it's so much more difficult to have those networking conversations. And so, my mentors challenged me, even in the pandemic, to continue to network. They were always always networking internally just to try and you know determine new stakeholders, new roles that you want to look at. Um, networking, as we all know, is, is super important. And even in the world of remote work, you have to call, carve out time for it. I, I wasn't right at the beginning of the pandemic, but started to, again, once my mentors challenged me to do so. It's, you know, for example, Eric, let's say I, I wanted to get a coffee with you. I could just walk up to you in the office and say, hey, you, know, you want to go grab a coffee in the next couple of minutes? And that's something we could do. But in the world of remote working, I have to send you a message, wait for your response. We might have to set up a meeting. Calendars are booked because everyone's got a lot more meetings because we're in a virtual world. So just it's more difficult, I would say, remotely. But since we're in this this hybrid working world and will likely continue to be in for quite some bit, um, you have to carve out time for networking in, in any circumstance. So do you, is it your boss or just someone you work with that's done a good job of doing that and sets a good example? Yeah, um, it's a, a previous boss. is It remains a, a good mentor for me. Um, I've got a couple of mentors who are back in the sales side, who uh, are, are sales leaders, and you know, I I admire their careers and their advice uh, tremendously. And so cool. they're always encouraging networking. They say, you know, they're they're doing it as well. They're they're ascending the the ranks of leadership in the company as well. So always great to hear hear that from someone who's got proven results behind it. Yeah, and a little just to expand, but Stephen has now been at GSK GlaxoSmithKline for at least five years, and I think that a lot of millennials like us are quick to jump to the next best thing, and that can be a good avenue. But when when you are with one company for a while, I think the mentorship is an important part of it because not only do you know the company better and kind of the titles and who's the best to talk to, but you you just have built relationships with more people and got your name out there. So that's cool. Absolutely. I'm glad. Glad you have those resources. Uh, just a, a personal topic. So what's like what's like something you care about personally? And I'll nominate an answer with the DJing stuff. I, I was you read my mind. Uh, so I'm as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, big into technology, and so that over the years has taken taken shape in a lot of different ways. And um, I'm always been interested in audio, audio production, engineering. If you watch those chemistry videos, you'll see when I first learned about auto-tune, um, always and just been good. interested. And uh, it was, yeah, it was fun. You just slap a couple <laughs> of effects on there and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, this is like on desktop computers in 2010. This isn't your uh, Musical.ly app or TikTok or anything. Steven this this was when auto-tune was cool. So it was, it was cutting edge stuff, you know, I, I will say. Yeah, um but in, in its latest form, and Eric, you know this, in, in the college years would definitely dabble with DJing and just always loved the thought of, you know, merging different genres, the the seamless transition between two different tracks. And so dabbled with it in college a little bit on and off over the years, always had the equipment, but never, you know, over the last five, six years or so, just hadn't really done a whole lot with it. And then, you know, the pandemic hit all of a sudden, you know, I wanted to uh, to revisit an old hobby 
got some new equipment into the DJing world and um, have been, you know, really, really stepping up my game. So really just enjoying DJing and uh, I've played at a couple different places over the last few months and just really, really enjoying it. So that's how my love for technology and music has taken its latest shape. That's sweet. Do you have a newly released DJ name for the podcast or is that on the DL? Oh, it is not something I want to share public. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll share it. So I have a, a, a DJ alias named Charles Crane. Charles Crane. Everything DJ related will be under the new name. Everything professional related will be Steven. Just Charles Crane. I like yeah. it. Self-titled. <laughs> there it is. Thanks That's for the effect. Podcast board with, with the applause. I mean, this is our live audience. Um, cool. So live studio audience. Live studio audience. So yeah, Stephen DJ has been fun for a number of years. We've been to a couple shows together, and I know he's wanted to actually play a show and has accomplished that. So looking forward to that. So that's that's something you want to promote. Anything else you want to promote? LinkedIn articles. Um, you know, link, LinkedIn, please uh, feel free to connect with me. Um, if anyone wants to connect, um, I'm always happy to to share my experience. Um, so if you're kind of in the same boat I was, if you're doing an engineering degree, but not sure you want to be in the lab side or the research side, but want to transition into business, I'm always to help, uh, happy to help navigate that. So if you want to reach out to me to talk, talk it through, would be happy to do so. What a nice guy. So I will answer the last question for you. Steven is certainly open to being a mentor if others have questions. And I think that, I, I mean, I'm always curious about what the MBA program looks like and where he's taking that. And, and I'm glad I have him as a sounding board. So happy to have a platform to let you tell your story, Stephen. I think it's interesting and it's uh, it's been fun. Well, thanks so much for having me on. This has been a, a, a lot of fun and it's an honor. Um, this podcast has been awesome, Eric. So thanks so much. All right. Thanks. That's a wrap. 